Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Write or Die. I am here with one of my faves, Ryan LaSala. Yes, like the living room in Spanish. What's up, Ryan? How are you? Hello, hello. It's me, the living room personified. <laughs> What's going on? Um, nothing. So I'm so stoked to have you on uh, the podcast. You're one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter because you're so funny. Your pictures are amazing and you just you make my day better, honestly, by following your account because you make me laugh so much. Oh my God. It is completely mutual, which is probably why like you're one of my favorite mutuals. Oh. And when you reached out to me about this, I was like, oh, goddamn, mm-hmm. finally, I'm so excited. Yay. <laughs> all right. So let's jump right into it. So I want to yeah. know all about your writing because Ryan's a wide writer. He writes all about queer stuff and fantasy and really, really fun um, themes in his book. And I'm really excited about um, his book. He's going to tell us a little bit more about it later in the episode. But can you tell me how you started writing and tell me a little bit about your querying journey and why it was difficult for you to sort of break into publishing. So yeah, I mean, my writing journey has been, I think, typical in many ways, but like also atypical in a few ways that um, I'll definitely get to. But um, I, I am one of those people that started going to college around the time that like the recession happened. And uh, I had always wanted to do creative writing as my pursuit, but had been taught from like a pretty young age that like, first and foremost, like you have to be stable in your employment. Like that was sort of the imperative that I was given by my family. And they've always been super creative, um, people and very supportive of like the arts, but it became pretty clear to me at a, at a young age that like supporting myself was, was paramount. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of that has to do, and I know Claire, you and I have talked a little bit about this, but, um, but I have like a chronic illness. And when you are someone who grows up with a chronic illness from a pretty young age, you mature into the mindset that, Finding healthcare and doctors and basically a safety net is super important. And so right when I was trying to decide like what I wanted to do in college, I wasn't really thinking about like basically becoming a novelist or writing fantasy novels. I was more thinking about things that I could kind of put into um, like corporate pursuits. And so I went through college, you know, all that time doing exactly that. I got a great degree, went to Northeastern, real good school, shout out to the Huskies. Um, but it was pretty soon after that in, let's see, I think it must've been, I graduated early in like 2013. Um, like spring 2014 was my intended graduation. I graduated early and that's when I kind of kicked into gear in terms of like, all right, I'm going to take the next couple of months, see if I can like finish a draft of a book, um, that I've been working on, you know, on and off throughout college. And if I can make something happen, then awesome. And I, I did just that. I like bummed around in Connecticut for a little bit. Uh, at my parents' house. I'm like, God bless them because they Aww. let me drink so much iced coffee out of like crystal glasses until finally my stepdad was like, we love having you home, but you've got to stop using all of the nice china. It's enough. And I was like, fine. All right. So I like, did you tell them it was part of your writer aesthetic? I did. I absolutely did. I was like, I've been Instagramming these people want to know. And like, my, my parents deal with so much of like, I'm pretty eccentric and they are real good about it, but they, they draw the line at me using, um, crystal goblets and, and as they should, I'm, I'm also pretty clumsy, but I like, I so I like churned out this draft and like, I was like feeling pretty fancy. I'm like, I don't really have a real job. I'm like, you know, doing whatever I want. Um, and, uh, and finally though, you know, the, the, the whole like idea of like, Oh, I need employment. Like that kind of circled back on me. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta like get my shit together. And so I did. Um, I had a few contacts. I moved back up to Boston. I like got a job, um, 
it was sort of the first job that I had like found that I thought was like kind of interesting after college. And, uh, in my head I was like, okay, now that I've like nailed unemployment, like I'm going to have all this time to write, but the job turned out to be like an extremely aggressive schedule. It was like emotionally depleting and it was a lot of fun and it was like very lucrative. It was sort of like a sales position type job. Um, but ultimately for like a year and a half, I didn't really write anything of much value because I was so spent by the end of the day. And so, and this is sort of where like my privilege shows up. I decided like after a year and a half of like this particular job that like I was going to basically recalibrate my professional life, um, in a few different ways to allow for more like writing time outside of work. And I knew that like all my life I'm going to need some sort of employment. I'm going to need like health benefits. I'm going to need a lot of different things. So I might as well start the process of basically curating a life now, um, that balances writing and professional career stuff in, um, in like a really like superb way. Cause that's probably going to be me forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I changed jobs. I relocated in Boston. Um, and now I'm at this like fantastic design agency. We build websites and stuff and everyone here like knows that I write They're They're totally fine to like, let me have sort of a flexible schedule. And as a result, like I've just been so much more productive in the past, like, I guess like two years or so. And that's, that's actually when like everything started happening for me. So yeah, it was a, it was definitely a conscious decision. I sort of recognized that like not everyone can kind of like right. themselves. And so my situation is in and of itself, like an anomaly in that sense, but it was also very intentional. I sort of made a, a few sacrifices to kind of let that happen. Right. And and so this book that you wrote when you were um, messing up all your parents find uh, China, did, yeah. is, the, is that your first novel that you ever wrote? And is that the one that got you your agent or no? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. And it's something that, like, I'm sure if you went on, like, Absolute Right, you could find sort of, like, versions of this book from, like, years and years and years ago. But um, but this is the first, like, draft that I ever produced. It's my first, like, full-length novel. It's what got me my agent. It's what's got me through, like, submissions. Um, it's always been this one Hail Mary. Okay. So tell me about the book, which I I know a little bit about it. And yeah. I know that it has to do with drag queens and jewelry. So I'm already... <laughs> like wigless what what more do you need to know i mean like i would just read a book about just some like a drag queen describing all the jewelry that she has in her apartment so tell me this is is literally the book for you i will (laughs) you will love this book um so okay so right now the book is um the title's actually changing but like the the working title dream crusher is sort of what i've been calling it but um, basically the short pitch is that, uh, it's a book about this young boy named Kane. He is a, uh, like a gay teen in like suburban Connecticut. And like, all he wants to do is like read books, play video games, um, like read comics, listen to podcasts, probably would listen to this podcast, honestly. Oh, hey Kane, if you're listening. Oh, I love um, him. yeah, he's someone who that just like loves to like lose himself in fantasy worlds. And mm-hmm. like, he's not like reclusive per se, but he's definitely avoidant and has like escape his habits, okay. habit. But, um, the whole book is basically, it's about Kane fighting uh, a battle to save his little sister from this, like, maniacal drag queen sorceress that has showed up in his town. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, her name is Posey. She's great. Uh, and basically, like, Posey is trying to harness the imaginative power of humans to design, engineer, and manifest a brand new reality, which she wants to use to overwrite the existing reality. Um, and her whole goal is to basically create something that she is in control of and something that is designed for her, which is, I think, you know, something that a lot of 
my queer brethren out there sort of fantasize about, but would, you know, never actually go through with. Um, But Pose is going through with it. She's making like a a couture world, basically. Yeah, she's like trying to take that mood board, that picture (laughs) board, and turn it real. Uh, Well, I mean, I can't really blame her. Which... I feel like I feel like those I feel like those antagonists though are the best, the ones that you can like be like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like I, I kind of get it. I know it's messed up, but but I can't well, hate you for it. I um, totally agree, and I have to say, like that's the um, like villainy is something that fascinates me, and like the number one like criticism I have for. Um, like crit partners that I work with or just like even books that have like actually made it into publication is that like the villains intentions are just like so absurd and they don't always of course need to be like, you know, a Batman movie where like, you're like, I really get what he's trying to do here, but he's right. crazy. Right. Like I, I don't need that for, for every genre by any means, but I always think a, a really like the, the, the meat or like the tension in the story, like the crux of it often comes from a villain having kind of, you know, maybe noble motivations, but uh, a kind of like bad way of going about it. And so for, for me, Posey has always represented the other side of the spectrum that sort of Kane sits upon, where Kane doesn't really want to engage with the world. He, he sort of wants to live in fantasy worlds. But Posey is that fantasy made real. She is ready in here to like actualize all of her own dreams. Um, and she will absolutely do it at the cost of people that stand in her way. And one of those people happens to be Kane's little sister. And so he is forced to kind of make that decision for a lot of other people. But it does put him in the position of fighting against the one person in the world who probably understands best how he feels. Oh my God, I love it. I can't wait to read this. So when did you start querying um, this book? And do you find that you're like dealing with your illness um, hindered the process of querying at all? Or like just sort of like jumping into the other side after you wrote the book? Yeah, so I started querying when I was like in that kind of tough job. I had at least a draft, and so I know I sent out queries then. Um, nothing really came of it, but things really took a turn for me after I had sort of made the transition into my current job and was kind of getting back into the game of polishing up a draft. And um, like a few days before it happened, I saw uh, the like hashtag DD Pit contest announced and like the resources that are kind of put up there. And by the way, do you say like, DV pitch or like div pit because I've heard a few different people call it a few different things. DV pit, whoever says it a different way is wrong. Okay, good. That's exactly (laughs) what I told them. It was a whole fight. Tell them. (laughs) I have Beth's Um, authority to yell. I was about to say like you've got the direct line into Beth. Like she is gonna let you know. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I um I sort of saw it like last minute, and I reached out to a few folks that had been like offering themselves up as resources and um things just kind of took a turn. Like I immediately started like making friends and connections and um, most of it was just other people that were participating that I thought had like really interesting work and they became crit partners. Um, And the first DV pit event that I was in was um, I think it was the first one that happened. It was April, 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't until a year later, also during DV pit that like, everything kind of crystallized, but it was actually because of like a series of like very fortunate events in which like an editor had noticed me during like the first one had requested a full draft, um, had gotten back to me with like, uh, R and R. I didn't have an agent yet. I was sort of panicked about it. So I then like parlayed that into getting an agent's attention during like the next DV pit. I had like 
interest from a few different people. But at that point, like another editor wanted to like take me to acquisitions. And so it sort of all culminated in me kind of rushing around last minute, trying to like firm up a draft, also find an agent, also like get back to like these editors and um, like figure out whether or not like they were the right fit. Um, And I will say like, it is hard to kind of do all of that when you are working full time, right? Like these are all like writing and is one of those things where it's, it's absorbent. It can become a full-time pursuit. Um, if you let it, if you have that kind of time, I just, I don't, I don't have the, um, the bandwidth to kind of do everything. And of course, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not chronically ill to the point that like I'm debilitated. Like you're you're like, don't imagine me in like a sanatorium, like coughing into like my handkerchief and there's like blood and I'm like, Oh God, the consumption, it has come for me again. (laughs) Like I, if you look at me, like you don't see anything wrong. Um, and which is how it is sometimes with people with chronic illness, right? Yeah, absolutely. 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 And like my, my particular illness, it's like, it's a, um, it's like an immune disorder. Um, that I was born with. And so it's not like contagious or anything, but it does mean that like, I have to take very specific, um, care of myself. Like I can't be out in like huge crowds for a really long amount of time. Like I don't really have like, um, a great immune response to like things that like you or somebody else could, could fight off. But it also means that like stress has a really big impact on me. Mm. Um, and the way that like my body handles stress is it, of course, like internalizes it. And so I have to actually be very careful about like, setting myself up for extremely like stressful occasions. Um, I have to very consciously sort of plan things out in a way that I know won't overwhelm me because even if like mentally I'm fine and I'm focused, my body starts to kind of like take a toll and, you know, rapidly, um, that sort of shows up as symptoms. And so for things like this, for like pitching and for querying, um, it did sort of culminate all in like a particularly like stressful month, but it was all about for me making sure I knew what my priorities were, who I had to get back to um, sort of what they needed. And also reminding myself that like in publishing, you know, people always talk about waiting and then suddenly everything happens at once, but there's still all of these like stop gaps that really um, do require you to kind of wait around. So even if like I'm racing towards something, I kind of had to remind myself that like, yeah, even if like this person needs something by Thursday, I bet if I send it to them Thursday, they don't need it by Thursday. It's going to yeah. come up like now anyways. And, and that ended up being true and sort of reminding myself that like, these are real people. They've got other people to service. Like I'm not their imperative. I'm not going to like ruin their day if I don't get back to them. Like that was actually kind of helpful. Yeah. I need to remember that sometimes because I want to do everything at once and then I end up yep. completely wearing myself out. So that's a very good reminder for writers mm-hmm. out there. Um, mm-hmm. So was DB Pitt in 20, um, 16, we said, right? 2016. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the first one. Yeah. So long ago. I can't believe yeah. it. Um, so was that the first time that you queried ever? Or did you cold query before that? I cold queried before that with like not much success. It wasn't until I sort of had like real people interested in like, ironically, a much shorter and like snappier pitch that I started to get like responses and interest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So... Tell us about how you picked your agent and how that whole thing happened. Can you give us some details? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So to set the scene, like I have at this point, like an editor, actually two editors that had like sort of given me notes, had shown interest. One of them was really interested in um, taking me to acquisitions. And um, I'll tell you, I won't say who, but um, they ended up having a really hard time with, um, getting like internal buy-in and a large part of that is I think because like this was a, uh, this was, you know, not the book that a lot of people in publishing thought would do well. Um, they Uh sort of saw, they saw the glitz and glam of like the fantasy side of it, but then you slap a drag queen on it and like, it was too gay for them. 
I, you know, honestly, I mostly chalk it up to the fact that like when I say drag queens, a lot of like my closest friends, like they understand like the power of a drag queen. Like they've seen drag shows, they've seen like RuPaul's Drag Race maybe. And like they sort of understand that like when a drag queen gets on stage, like that stage is hers and Mm -hmm. she creates an entire world just by getting into costume. And that's kind of what Posey does. Like she is everything. She is like her own universe. But I think for a lot of people, when they think of drag queens, they think of their like sister-in-law's bachelorette party in like, you know, uh, like party bus or something like that. And that's not really what I'm going for. Yeah. And I think like a lot of people were like, oh, I think that's fun. But I don't really get like, I don't really get like the gravity of like that choice. And, um, and there's nothing that like I as an author can do about that. Like I can't drag yeah. you to a drag show. I can't educate you on <laughs> yeah. history. Um, that's unfortunate though, because the yeah. moment you said it, like, I mean, I live in New York, but I live in a small town in New York, and we have drag shows every month at my local bar, and it is, you can't fit one more person in there. Like, no. because, you know, all the drag queens come up from New York City, and they're amazing, and my favorite one is named Amber Gessa. And <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That's we, you might have to explain that joke. Like, does everyone, does everyone get the pun? So Amber, as in, like Amber, like a white girl name, Gessa, yep. but hamburguesa in Spanish yes. means hamburger. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. I know. That is so good. It's my favorite. She's so great. And, um, I mean, they are so powerful and you can't yeah. not look at them when they're undeniable lip syncing. And when they're doing their performances, they are like the perfect protagonist or antagonist to any novel, in my opinion. So those yeah. publishing people, man, they're missing out, in my opinion. Like, come on. <laughs> Dude, I know. And I try <laughs> to explain it to them. And you know what? So this to, to kind of bring it back to, like, how I ended up with Veronica, my agent, with Corby Sierra, who is fantastic. Um, she's the first person that I, like, got on the phone with. And the conversation, like, naturally gravitated towards, like, the use of drag in this book and, like, the intensity and, like, basically a very nuanced interpretation of Posey and the the villain. And I love that. I was so smitten the, the second we started talking because I was clearly talking to someone who like absolutely understood what I was going for and saw value in this. And that's what I needed. I needed that kind of advocate as I was basically facing down, you know, acquisition boards that didn't quite get it. So um, that's kind of, that's how Veronica and I found one another. And there were other folks that were great that I really loved and talked to. Um, and now, you know, now I'm friends with them too, but, um, but Veronica was the person that really clicked with me. She seems so great. I don't know her personally, but we like chat on Twitter sometimes. And one of her blog posts was the very first, um, post that I ever read about Mm -hmm. pitching on, on Twitter. And I always like reference that because it was so helpful and she broke it down in such a, like a smart, easy way. So I'm really glad that you found somebody who like, who got it, you know, because it's, it's, it sounds like a really special story. Honestly, it does. And I think that it needs to be done by somebody who understands the culture and, um, Mm -hmm it's great that you found an agent that understood where you were coming from as well. I think all of those things really add up to make something even bigger. So, yeah. So when did you sign with Veronica? When, when did you make it official? Mm, Good question. Let's see. Uh, this was September of last September, September, 2017. I remember this because it was labor day and I couldn't tell anybody about it because obviously things were like getting worked out. There was paperwork to be done. Mm. Um, and so I like basically kept a secret for 
an entire three days, which for me oh is God. like <laughs> absolutely a Herculean task. I just to forfeit a moment to bring attention to myself. Like, oh, it took everything. <laughs> but that's why it was definitely a, it was around. It must have been around Labor Day. Yeah, 2017. So last year. OK. And okay. what happened after that? Like once you signed with Veronica, then what did you do? Well, as you know, like publishing is all about like getting real close to something and then it falling apart. And so that actually happened a few times. Um, but like while I was getting these like very heartfelt rejections, like I didn't really feel rejected because for the first time, like I had real people looking at like my real work and providing like really awesome uh, feedback. And luckily for me, like I know in, in a previous episode, in one of your interviews, someone mentioned like sort of like opposite reje- rejections that like, you know, they, the, the feedback sort of differed. And mm. I love that because um, there were a few of those, but for the most part, like the responses that I got were um, kind of consistent, which gave me a really good focus for what I wanted to change. Um, and so we started kind of the process of like revisioning and looking at the folks that had sent me like R&Rs. Um, and right before I could kind of get to all of that, though, um, we ended up getting interest from uh, from Annie Berger at Sourcebooks. Okay. And so that's what I'm talking to now. And I'm depending on, let's see, I'm not sure when this is posted, but likely it'll be after. But it looks like, you know, nothing's finalized yet, but that's probably where things are going to end up. And so I'm super excited to. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> that's so exciting. Sourcebooks is a great publisher. Um they put out some of my favorite YAs, so that's really exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. And um, Kasoko Jackson is another person that recently uh, sold a book to Annie, and like his book is like super queer. It's historical. I adore him. Um, yeah, I adore him, and I think that was actually one of the things that um, really like decided for me. It was uh, a great conversation I had with him in DC, and I couldn't like really tell him what was up. Um, cause I didn't know myself then either, yeah. but he, you know, he's just so candid and insightful and, um, I super admire him. And so knowing that like Annie is sort of assembling this like ultra queer, like list of books for, um, for like the upcoming years, I, it was something that I definitely wanted to be a part of. And, and so it's, it's an exciting thing. And it's actually, she, um, she was great. She actually optioned for, uh, for two books. And so I've got another, another book coming up with her as well. Oh my God. So you're going to send me an arc, right? <laughs> absolutely okay. oh please yeah you're first on my list okay I want an arc and in the arc I want a picture of you and Saul and I want mm-hmm. him to also sign it um yep. but the picture oh, God, this. yeah he'll be because I know he he gets FOMO right about like everything yeah for anybody Sal's <laughs> my my boyfriend and he's not like at all involved in publishing but like is super enthusiastic and like loves to be a part of it and is like basically a big fan and like you know, follows everybody that I follow. And oh, so whenever something it. like this comes up, he's like, I want to be part of it. I want to be there for it. And uh, yeah, so no, you'll, you'll get your own signed arc from Sal. Yeah, I'm excited. And I mean, that is amazing because I have friends who have had partners who sort of brush off their writing as like a hobby and don't take mm-hmm. them seriously. And that, in, that infuriates me. I was, I'm oh, always God, like, I can't imagine. dump them. <laughs> like, Leave you them. deserve somebody who is going to, like, this is important to you. Like, I could never imagine being with somebody who didn't support my writing. I'd be like, get the hell out of here. Like, so I think yeah. it's wonderful that he's obsessed with everything you do. I, I think it's great. Yeah. And honestly, I, I'm so with you on this for people that are in situations where they've got like a partner that doesn't like quite get it. Like to me, spiritually, that sounds taxing, but also logistically, like 
how do you how do you negotiate with that person that like you're about to spend large swaths of time isolating yourself behind a computer screen right. while that person sort of like looks on wondering why you're choosing to like I don't know look at Twitter instead of talk to them and I know like early on in my relationship with Sal we sort of brokered a deal that like this is something that I did it's a strange habit of mine to just like coop myself up for days at a time while I'm drafting and is that okay? And he's like, yeah, I've got other stuff to do. And I was like, oh, okay, great. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. You need that independence and you need somebody who's going to understand that your writing time is important. Like you can't Mm -hmm. ask me to be like, oh, can you go do this? Like, no, I'm working right now. Like it's a serious thing. Like you wouldn't ask somebody who was in their office. (laughs) Yeah. I get so mad. And like, if you're in the middle of like a sentence and like, you're really like in the groove, you're trying to figure something out and someone's like, you have to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for Sal. Everybody. I will say he definitely does tease me though. Cause like, I mean, as you know, like I'm always on Twitter. Like I'm here for, um, like self promo and stuff like that too. And so it's to the point that like, he'll be like, are you writing or are you on Twitter? Or are you listening to the cat soundtrack again? Like what are you actually doing? So there's like a level of like policing there that I'm like, Oh God damn. I wish, I wish I never told you about this. I wish I just like disappeared. Oh, cause now he knows better than to like, let me indulge my like procrastination. But that's good though, because like I mean, let's be real. We do spend too much time on Twitter. Oh, my God. It's horrible. I know. <laughs> it's really bad. I tried to take a hiatus like a week ago, and I just oh, kept please. coming back. Don't start with me. Do not start with you in the hiatus. I'm just like, you, like you, you people have nothing more. Just leave. Just go away. Why do you have to tell people you're leaving? Just do it. Oh, my God, it. because people DM, and they tweet at you, and then they get offended that you don't answer them. Just watch if you ever try to do hiatus, then you'll I know. realize. You know, I, I am not speaking from a point of it. So, you know, maybe <laughs> I should keep my mouth shut. But I just think it is so funny because, like, you and Kat are all over the place. Like, you respond to, like, out. Like, it's, it is so easy to just, like, summon you back because all yeah. I have to do is literally at you, which is how Twitter works. Yeah. So why are you – I love it. It's great. It's one of my favorite farces of, like – the like YA kids on. Twitter. Yeah, and I always like yell at Kat because her hiatuses are fake, but so are mine. <laughs> so... Oh, you have no right. You absolutely have no right. Whatever. <laughs> um, okay, so I mean, obviously, you know, the world doesn't know yet. Um, by the time this releases, it'll be in the future. We are in the future um, right now. So, do you know, do you have any idea like what release year it would be? Are you 2020 probably? It's going to be 2019, actually. <gasps> really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That means that we debut the same year. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. Really? Yes. I'm, I'm 2019 also. Oh, my God. Do we have, like, a fun hashtag yet? Um, like the, oh, the novel. like the Novel, novel 19s is the that group. Um, okay. But we don't have, like, a fun, fun hashtag. Maybe we should make one. Mm, okay. I'm down. I'll DM <laughs> you after this on Twitter.com. Um, whatchamacallit? Do you, uh, so do you know what season? I'm guessing late. Uh, it'll be fall 2019 well, yeah i'm, I'm yeah. late summer early fall so we're around the same oh um, my god I can't wait. i'm so excited for ghost book i don't oh, know if at this point in the podcast you've already done your like little interlude but like <laughs> you should get excited i'm so excited for this book luceli luna is used to ghosts you kind of have to be when you live in a house haunted by the spirits of your dead loved ones when luceli tries to help her father's failing ghost tour business she opens the gates to you know, the place down there. And now she has to protect her family before evil spirits take over her town and drag everyone she loves into the underworld. 
follow Clarabelle on Twitter at Clarabelle underscore Ortega and at Ghost Squad on Goodreads today. I'm excited too. I think it's going to be really good. I hope. I hope people it's, don't hate it. You think it's going to be? No one's going to hate it. What are you talking about? There's always people who hate things, even the, the thing, things that are great. So that's okay. just life. But that's we can so, ignore them. They're probably ugly, so it's okay. They're, oh my god, they're pro- <laughs> they're probably like like Disney stepsister hideous. Oh my god, oh they my. are. Oh, I feel bad for them now. <laughs> well, maybe they'll read your book and they'll become beautiful. <laughs> If that know, actually does happen. Here. <laughs> that's that's what, how that works. Yeah, it's how it works. Um, yeah. We tested it. So if you're I, ugly, <laughs> buy Ghostbook. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It worked for me. That's I my mean, new tagline. <laughs> I would not look the way I look if I had not read your book. So. Oh, man. Um, okay, so do you think that – are you worried at all, let's say, about when you – when you start to tour and when you start to, you know, go to book signings and stuff like that, are you worried at all about how your health is going to take a toll on you? Have you made like sort of plans? Have you talked to other authors who are dealing with um, similar things in the community or am I just now making you think about it and you're freaking out? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's definitely something that I do think about um, in terms of like travel. Luckily, like when it comes to me and like medications and treatments and all that, like I'm pretty mobile. Okay. I'm not really constrained by a whole lot. And so, um, so long as I'm, you know, back in Boston every like two months or so, um, to kind of check in with my doctors and stuff like that, I I'll be, I'll be okay. But you know, of course, like you always worry about complications coming up Mm -hmm. when you're on the road. Um, but luckily I've been blessed enough to have a life that's pretty full of travel, um, and extended travel too. Um, and so I'm pretty confident I can, I can manage it, but it is something, it's going to be new. It's going to be, you know, a lot of kind of like quick turnarounds while on the road. Um, and so part of it does worry me, but it's just something that I'm going to have to kind of face down as it's happening. Yeah, for sure. So do you have any most embarrassing moments in publishing, um, or mistake stories that you want to share with the write or die listeners? Oh my gosh. I, I feel like, Right now, like running through my head, is just like a montage of like many (laughs) horrible things that I have done. Um, And sometimes like I will say like I am very like fun online and like I love to like post selfies and like sales all over the place on like my feet. But sometimes I'll like sober up and be like, oh, my God, like (laughs) in a 100 years, is there going to be a museum like with like a small corner dedicated to me? And in that corner, is it going to just be like all these like framed digital images of like thirst traps that I've posted like <laughs> here's Ryan like in, during like the drafting of like you know this this book or whatever and it's like me with like an iced coffee and like runner shorts on and I'm just like <laughs> is this my legacy and then I'm like you know what it totally is like I hope <laughs> it is. that'd be great I can't wait to have a corner in a museum <laughs> I mean that's an amazing legacy it really is <laughs> it's my it's memorable who cares yeah. you don't want to be boring <laughs> maybe I um I know I know like I definitely have like some specific. Do you want to hear like some specific stories? Because yeah. I've got I have a few jumps. Yeah, um, tell me the worst one, the one that is going to give people secondhand embarrassment. Oh my god. Um, okay. Well, so let's see. During during the submission process, like you sort of have to rapidly create material. If you're me, and if you were sort of unprepared, like if you went on like submission the day that you signed with your agent, which I did, mm. um, I didn't have anything ready. Like I had like my manuscript, but like. Lo and behold, you actually need a lot more. You need like 
uh, a synopsis, which I had somehow avoided writing for all of my writing career. Um, you need like a series synopsis on top of that, which describes like the rest of the books in the series. If like you've got a plan for that and like, not only does it have to like be a worthwhile read, it also has to basically be an argument for like the investment in that series. Um, and I had had like a lot of these notions about like what the series would be. I just did not have it on paper because I am very Greek. I am very Italian and we are deeply superstitious people. And the second you put something into words, like that's when the evil eye sees you and decides it's going to like shut down everything. And so, mm. yeah, I had like, and I did not know this about myself until Veronica was like, oh, well, you've talked my ear off about like all of these other books. Like, I'm sure you have notes. And I was like, oh, no, not a single word written. <laughs> so I had to, like, go into this like major panic mode and Sal didn't see me for like two days because I was writing like this whole series synopsis and I thought I was on the right track. But one night it was sort of like the, like the day before, like it was due for, um, for Veronica to take a look at, um, I was like up really late writing and I got to like the end of like, I don't know, one of these like synopses and, um, sort of like in line in the notes I had like written, um, I got up like, you know, right to the final scene and I was like, okay, I do have an ending. Like, I don't have time to write it out. I'm going to write it tomorrow. But for the most part, like, I just want your notes. Like, is this good? Is this bad? Am I going in the right direction? I'm completely nervous. I need to go to bed. Sal is so mad at me. He's like asleep right next to me and probably is like pretending to be asleep because like my typing is keeping him awake. Anyhow, like, let me know what you think. Thanks. For <laughs> and like, right in, in the middle of the document. And, um, Veronica, who like also is working under like tremendous deadlines. Um, I don't know if she like didn't see it or if she just like thought it was funny. We ended up debriefing like after this and she was like, oh yeah, I saw that. But like, whatever it's, you know, these are other humans reading this. It's not like, you know, they're going to laugh at you. But lo and behold, I like was copied. I was BCC'd on the email that she like sent to this editor. And I like open up the document being like, well, wait, this wasn't done. And like right there in the middle of it is like this like long expository explanation as to like why I didn't finish my work and how I'm like ruining my relationship with my boyfriend. And I was like, well, that's a great way to end a series and also a submission. Like, real good job, Ryan. Like, how come you just didn't put that in a goddamn email like a normal person? Oh, no. My God. Yeah. It was so bad. And it was, like, it was fine. Like, of course, like, nothing bad happened because of this. But it was one of those things where, like, you feel like everything is so do or die when you're, yeah, like, submitting. Like, you feel like even, like, you know, a, a, a like, you know, stray apostrophe is going to totally disqualify you yeah. from someone's consideration and so to see something like that it didn't it ended up having like literally no impact because I did end up like rewriting it and revising it and like we got like a final copy over um but <laughs> I was like I was gobsmacked for like an entire day and a half just jealous oh my god I'm so excited that's like the that's like the best story ever <laughs> oh it's are you enjoying I'm great I'm so glad that you're enjoying it it's amazing <laughs> Um, oh God, I, like, so tell me what's up next for you. I mean, I know that technically we, nobody knows about the, about the book deal yet or any of mm -hmm. that fun stuff, but what comes after, um, those two books? Are you working on anything else? Um, where can people follow you online? All that fun stuff. Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter. I am there constantly. Um, it's at reality, R Y A L I T Y. I think I spelled that right. And I'm on Instagram too. You can go on my website, ryanlasalla.com if you're, you know, really looking for a lot more of these like tangential conversations with myself. Um, <laughs> and I'll be linking all your social media <laughs> also in the show notes so people cool. can follow you from there as well. 
Got, and then I can like terrorize them directly. They don't even have to wait for episodes. Exactly. Well, I'm sure everyone's going to want to see the thirst traps now. That... Yeah. <laughs> the people are going to be like, who is this person? Um, <laughs> I am just as bad as you think. So. <laughs> or the old people who are like, what are thirst traps? What's thirst trap? Someone get him some water. Um, in terms of what's next. Um, so actually the, the book that I'm working on right now, um, it's sort of like the newest book. It's actually going to be my second book with Annie is, um, it doesn't have like a title, doesn't really have anything yet, but the premise is uh, basically two ex-boyfriends are forced to compete in a competitive crafting competition at a cosplay convention. Um, And the year prior, it's the same competition that ended up forcing them to break up. So it's actually... Oh my God. Yeah, it's a little bit autobiographical. Um, (laughs) Sal, who I've mentioned on this, is someone who, like, loves cosplay. We've never broken up because of cosplay, but we have definitely had some very intense craft moments. And uh, I had, like, jokingly pitched this idea to Veronica, like, way back when, about how, like, I was, you know, up to my eyeballs in, like, Hakalu and Sequin. And she was like, this is a great book idea. And I was like, you're right. I want to, like, write a few chapters of this and we did and like again offhand like told annie about it and she was like that sounds fucking amazing it like, really why? does i wish you could see my face when you started talking about it do you know that one gif of titus from kimmy schmidt where he's like yeah. taken aback like what did you just say to me um yeah. that was my face yeah, so it's my like it's it's still in development but basically it's a competitive gay craft cosplay oh my book God. i don't even know <laughs> But, um, I'm here for it. Like, I get it. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's really weird. But like, if it if it clicks with people, it clicks. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm just so, super stoked. I think your ideas are brilliant. I think you're brilliant. And uh, I'm so happy yep. that you um, that you came on my show. I'm really, really excited that uh, we got to chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I am like so proud to be part of like the canon of Write or Die. Yes. I love the folks that you have on. Oh, um, I love the conversations that you have. So yeah, no, thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Fight or Die. Please don't forget to check out all the links in the show notes below and follow me on Twitter at Clarabelle underscore Ortega. See you next week.